0: We need to sell out, and we need a Nebraska game to be all black and gold, no red. (laughs) Coach Prime's first home game is against
1: Nebraska, and we're going to give him a Colorado Buffalo welcome with black and gold. So we expect everybody to to come up and show up. Don't sell your tickets because we know who you are, and um, that's not going to work.
0: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show.
1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, Honky, and I'm with
0: Boomer.
2: Well, i just like to say how convenient it was for Creighton uh, Volleyball to lose so early in the uh, NCAA Volleyball Tournament because it gave the the Jayskers a good chance to break their red shirts back out right away. And they could just carry that through to, to to Sunday. So congrats, Creighton! very lucky for all you Jayskers. Very nice. And I'm with Rob.
3: Well, I'm just happy to be at the part of the year where we can start looking at the transfer portal. We can, you know, start looking at things like Nebraska ball and wins over Creighton. And then we can start pondering things like every time Pavlov heard a bell ring, do you think he thought about feeding his dog?
1: That's deep. That's real deep, Rob. And uh, we're with
4: uh, our guest Redcaster tonight, David McGee. I think Emmanuel Bandamel and Juwan Gary will keep their black shirts longer than the football team kept theirs.
1: <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. If you, if you saw the video today or just released here, uh, Trev Alberts uh, had a uh, black shirts that he gave to a couple of the players on the basketball team. I think we're going to get to that. The uh, the excellent defensive performance that was given yesterday. I do want to say with Dave, we we're missing Redcast Dave tonight. Uh, he's being replaced tonight with David McGee. And tomorrow night, we're going to have Dave from Husky. So uh, I got this little, uh, this little montage here. Boomer, you remember kids in the hall, right?
2: Yeah, I'm familiar. So. Yeah, one of our
1: favorite ones. This these are the days I know. I just I love this little video. These are the days I know I know.
2: These are the days I know. These are the days I know I know. These
0: are the days
1: I know. In about 10 seconds of it, I think that's a small enough sample we won't get charged or anything, but uh, uh, it's a uh, it's great to have you on, Dave. We had you on after the Wisconsin basketball win last year the uh, back in March. Uh so you are a basketball uh you know expert. I'll just I'll just say that. So it's nice to have you on here with that. You've been no how long have you been season ticket holders uh, or, uh Well
4: we actually had to give up our season tickets this year but I've gosh at least a decade.
1: At least a decade. Yeah. Well and you gave them up because you have a little baby at the house now too. Yeah. So how yeah. old?
4: Uh 4 months next week. That's awesome. That's yeah.
1: awesome. Well uh before we get to everything, let's uh, go through our our regular uh housekeeping stuff here and we have a special show that's going to be coming up tomorrow like i mentioned dave from husk Eyes, he's going to be joining mac and i and uh, of course mac his first name is matt my first name is matt so we've created a, a show a little spinoff called matt's rule and it's going to be where the Matts, uh mac and i get together and just talk husker football uh dave from Huskies, he'll be joining us tomorrow night it's at 9 30 uh, so be watching out for that we may have Dave on more often, too. I don't know. Uh, we're, we're figuring some of that stuff out as as we go through it. Um, as always, we have hillvarsity.com slash subscribe. Use Redcast and you get 10% off your Hill Varsity subscription. Uh, Alumni Hall, two Lincoln locations, downtown 1120 P Street, South Point Pavilions behind or just to the south of, of Barnes and & Noble. And uh, also Pipeline Jerky. This is a new one here for us. Go to pipeline-jerky.com use Redcast officially to get your 10% off. That money goes to help out with NIL and we want to build the pipeline. That's one way that all of us can do it. Redcasters is by buying some jerky. That's, it, you know, you God American right there and buy some jerky and help our offensive line. And last but not least, smack and smooch, custom shirts, specialty items, find them at Facebook and Twitter at smack and smooch. And uh, that's where we get all of our shirts and koozies and good stuff.
3: I'm all right, still I'm still waiting for my um, share of the pipeline jerky sponsorship to come my way. Here, I, I mean, I like jerky. How come I, you get to eat it all, honky?
1: Well, because I make the connections, and so you know, oh, I okay. mean, the people. I'll, that I'll remember, remember the next
3: do. time you're getting a discount at Alumni Hall. All right, I'll that's right. That. All right,
1: that's right. Um, you know, so this is a special show here tonight because this is the transition show. We're moving into the off season. We're also going to start incorporating basketball into it. And uh, before we get into specific segments here, I think a couple of tweets here perfectly show football and basketball at the same all at the same time. Uh, The top one here yesterday uh, day fight. This just cracked me up when I read it. Is Matt Rule going to be introduced at halftime? Of course, the game was played at Colorado or at Creighton. So uh, for all those Jasker fans out there. Uh, Dirk Chatlin also said, haven't heard Creighton fans this quiet since the fourth quarter against Southern Georgia Southern. Absolute stunner.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I was (laughs) there. I was there. It was pretty quiet. And now scarlet colored glasses.
1: And let's start with some tweets of the week here and let's talk some football. And to start off here is. That coach rule, he's getting done with week one. And the first thing that he's doing is getting the coaching staff together. So as the tweet here on the left shows that uh, we have five of our position coaches in place right now on offense, that would be offensive coordinator and tight ends coach Marcus Satterfield, running backs coach EG Barthel, uh, defensive line coach Terrence Knighton, secondary coach Evan Cooper, and then special teams coordinator Ed Foley. And uh, we also have strength coach. Strength and conditioning coach Corey Campbell involved there too, and so there's some other personnel as well. But um, you know, we started to see what the staff is starting to look like. There's still another five guys to to hire. Let's stop there for a second. And let's talk a little bit about the coaching, uh, Rob. I'll start with you. Uh, what are your thoughts so far? As uh, we're about halfway through getting this ten-person staff in place,
3: where's our defensive coordinator? That that's, is honestly, honestly, that's that's my biggest. Question mark right now is where where is our defensive coordinator and who is our defensive coordinator? Um, you know, and and it kind of surprises me they haven't announced one yet. Uh, I'm wondering were they playing this weekend? Maybe it'll come out tomorrow. Um, you know, I was hoping it would come out today. It didn't. I mean, there's a few people out there. I I'm sure you guys have some names. I was kind of curious if it was gonna be um, oh god, all of a sudden now his name, Chris, uh the guy from uh, Tulane i really oh, like yeah hampton chris hampton he i've watched a bunch of tulane games at long story but old family friend went to tulane for whatever reason she's always like oh you should watch our team this year they're pretty good and and so i watched a lot i really like their defense they're hard hitting um just aggressive defense all over the field um you know the, so that was you know something that i was thinking was maybe our defensive coordinator was still coaching at this time but, I mean, now that all these guys are going in the transfer por- portal, all these coaches are getting hired, I mean, we need to announce somebody soon.
1: Yeah, we need to get a staff in, in place. I mean, a full staff in place here, you know, ASAP. You know, Dave, have you had a chance to follow what's been going along with uh, the coaching staff and the changes here in the last week?
4: No, I've been following along. I don't know. I, coaches, I don't follow assistant coaches. I don't know how you even <laughs> do that. So it's it's hard for me to to have – any strong insight onto who, who else is out there. Um, I mean, I think, I think I've heard a lot of questioning of, it feels like there's bringing back all his buddies again. This feels like frost all over again. And I've heard mm-hmm. some of that sentiment out there, which I just think that's how it's done. I think that's what everybody does to some degree is bring, you work with people you're comfortable with and people, you know, so I'll be curious to see if there's some young, he mentioned in the press conference, he wanted the young energetic, um, assistance and he, he seems to be doing that for the most part outside of maybe Foley who seems to have energy he's just not young so yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I guess the the proof will be in the pudding as we see what happens on the field over the next couple of years but
1: mm-hmm. well, well see. Boomer you know so far uh, again we're only halfway there and we don't have both of our coordinators yet but uh, have you been impressed with what we brought in does it match what he said he wanted which was youth and and uh, guys going out there on the recruiting trail, or are you concerned that, you know, maybe there hasn't been that splash hire yet or that we need some experience, some Big Ten experience? Where are you at?
2: Well, uh, you know, first off, I this, the whole splash hire, you know, thing, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in you know if i never hear a home run hire ever again after the last few you know hire that I'm fine you know you can have splash hires that's your thing and they don't pan out you know we've had plenty of experience with that as a program so and, and we kind of covered this when you hired you know rule in the first place this is something you can't really judge until two three years down the road you know you don't really know how they're going to be they might be a big name you know we might well, I mentioned a little bit about Colorado later. They made a splash hire. Is it going to work out? We don't know. So mm-hmm. something you have to have time for. Now, as to what Rule said he wants to do, it does m- mesh up with that. He said he wants a young, energetic staff for recruiting. He wants you know people that have you know connections to be able to recruit and find players that they want to develop into an NFL sort of, you know, candidate roster and they he's gone with a lot of guys that do have some NFL experience. So that's probably ties in with that whole plan of his to have a developmental program. And Hmm. I do wonder about the the D.C. hire. You think that is something you do need sooner than later. I mean, with the approximately 6,487 kids in the transfer portal by my last count, you know, you've got to start making some decisions pretty quick. And some of that comes in with, you know, keeping your own players on the roster. You know, when you get somebody like a Hausman entering the portal, who is a player I think we all liked and liked how we started developing in the last few games of the season. You know, right now you don't have a D coordinator. Do we even have a linebacker's? position coach yet i mean yeah and makes it harder to keep a player like that if, if he doesn't know who he's going to be coaching for i don't blame it you know a kid for maybe testing the waters and looking around uh
3: will you show that to me real quick before i want oh, to I see who's on there again too because it, it is it's hard to keep up with who's who it is because they keep announcing that then all these transfer portal and then we're making uh, offers who the coaches are or, or yeah yeah the I, ju- I already deleted the tweet here from of oh, so. course you did did we hire linebackers i thought we hired no we, we don't coach.
1: have a linebackers coach hired yet but that's part oh, of this too is that uh, you know there's one thing what is publicly announced versus uh maybe what is being recruited if you if we know who the linebackers coach is but it's just not official yet they might be telling that to a player obviously or giving them some insight on who you know, a a coach, a future coach that's going to be announced is, um, you know, I think if we had our Dave or Redcast Dave on, um, I think one concern so far is maybe the lack of some of the experience and that this is a deep salary pool. So at the very least we have $7 million uh, available for coaches here. So there's, there's no reason to not be able to get whoever we need to get. Right. And so uh, to, I think Dave, to your point originally too, is that to not, not make mistakes that we made before we don't want to get into uh uh, you know the season and not have some big 10 experience at times that that would hurt us you know four or five six games into the season so um i really think that that dc hire is important to get somebody that has some experience we have an offensive line coach still that we haven't hired yet and one name that's that's out there is is donovan rayola they they, he's the only person that's potentially a, a holdover but uh, if we didn't go with him, then it would be really good, I think, to get someone in here that has uh, a long, you know, coaching history, you know, decade or more of of offensive line experience. I think those are a couple of positions where getting some some serious uh, experience and expertise would be really crucial with this, because what you want is you want some balance on a staff. We've talked about this before, um, you know, when Bo took over got a bunch of young guys in here. They're all young, you know, Eckler and and Papuchis. And I mean, my goodness, Papuchis was a, his defensive coordinator and had uh, you know, only a couple of years of experience when he became that. Um, and it didn't have balance. It didn't have the experience needed. If you go back to the 2002 staff that Solich had when we went seven and seven, unbelievable coaches, Teneper and Darlington and, and Dan Young, great longtime coaches, but they were at the very tail end of their career and we didn't have some of that balance, some of that youth that you needed and so I think some of these best staffs, you want a little bit of both here. You want some of that youth that's going to go out there and be energetic and recruit. And you want some of those sage old guys, too, that are going to have been around the block a couple of times and, and know what to do. Because we're going to be going up against, you know, coaching staffs that have some of that. Rob?
3: Yeah, I was going to say, though, the – um I mean, Rayola, I don't know. I mean, it was a tough year for him, too, because, one, it wasn't his players, too. Sure. Um, you know, it did seem like they were getting better towards the end of the year. I mean, I'll, I'll give them that, right? Like, it seemed like they were finally starting to, to gel a little bit more. That's cool. Boomer just ran something across the bottom. I think he was trying to joke, but I actually don't mm. mind the idea. I mean, I realize Husker fans have this total disdain, including myself, for Bill Callahan. But oh, one God, thing yeah. the guy can do is coach offensive lines. And if you told me that Bill Callahan was coming in to exclusively coach the offensive line of the Huskers, I actually wouldn't be mad um, because I, he's even come back to coach the offensive line for the Raiders a couple times. He's he's, I mean, he's a successful offensive line coach with the experience that you're talking about honky. And, and I, I wouldn't be mad if they said, yeah, this is the guy we're taking. I would trust rule. And knowing that he knows the history and everything, and still making the decision to bring him in, I don't think it would be a terrible hire.
2: Would you have a target, honky, for that would meet that criteria? Say for the D coordinator or the O line or even linebackers in, in the scenario that you mentioned, what kind of longevity oh, I, and possible Big Ten experience.
1: No, I. I mean, off the top of my head, I don't have I don't have individual guys that that just come right to, to mind. Um, it doesn't need to be someone that has Husker experience or anything like that. Um, Big 10 experience, I think is, um, it's important at some point here. I mean, I know we've also been looking at the defensive co-defensive coordinator at Georgia. Uh, That would be somebody that, you know, SEC experience, Um, you know, but somebody that we don't, you've said this in the past, Boomer, you don't want to be learning on the job at, at this, at this school and in this conference. And with $7 million available to a coaching staff, we shouldn't have to hire guys that are going to be learning on the job either. So um, it's not that, uh, we're unhappy with who's been hired so far or anything like that. It's an incomplete staff. So before people should make their final judgments on what the staff looks like, we should see what the full staff looks like. Um, but, uh, we also need to know pretty soon, um, you know, what that staff does look like, because that's the advantage that we had with the timing of all this was rule getting hired really right away. As soon as the season got done, that gave us a, a, a step up. An advantage on some of the other schools that were making coaching changes. But now that we're a full weekend, you know, it's getting time where we need to know who that full staff is. Um, well, what did they do in their first week? And it was recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. And just to look at what Matt, uh, Coach Rule did here, here's some tweets of where he was at this last week. There's Lincoln High School. That was the first place he went on a Friday when recruiting opened up. On Saturday, uh, he was at the Norfolk, Nebraska airport landing there and uh, to see some uh, recruits, one of them being uh, uh, Ben Bramer uh, from uh, Pierce tight end. I'm guessing also probably went up and saw the tight end from Ainsworth and name is, uh, I'm forgetting it now here, but anyways, then he ended up on Saturday night out in Scott's bluff where Brock Newton is. So, I mean, he really got to to see a lot of the state of Nebraska there all over the place. Uh, Boomer, did you see that one, uh, the tweet, the Norfolk one from, uh, oh, there's an ESPN personality, Heather.
3: Heather. Oh, Isn't she yeah. from Nebraska, too? Isn't
1: no,
2: that? I don't think so. I don't believe no, so, okay. no. I, I don't know how anyone could not have seen that on Twitter. Yeah, It gave
3: Nebraska <laughs> fans a lot,
2: uh, a good way was, to spend some time. Yeah, she was.
3: If I had $40 million, I probably wouldn't be in Norfolk either. I'd probably be hanging out with you and Roca. Yeah. We'd be drinking a was... lot of beer. We'd be drinking a lot of beer at the Roca Tavern. I know that for sure. so well, what that would was... you be doing with $40 million? What are
4: doing? Yeah. Nothing. Oh gosh. Hanging in Norfolk. Well, my in-laws are from Norfolk, so I'd probably spend some time there. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, I don't know. I'd probably have courtside seats to the basketball team. That's for sure. There we go. Start yeah, there. And... Full time. I'd game. have courtside.
3: I'd have court-side seats to the Warriors, and I'd just be taking my private jet to go. the games. Yeah. There you go. There so you go. Well, yeah, and I'd buy obviously. the RedCast.
1: <laughs> well, obviously they started with the. Uh, the recruiting in the in-state here over the weekend, some other in-state recruiting tweets. Uh, this was from uh, uh, Julie Noonan, who uh, is Maverick's mom. And she was playing ping pong with him and uh, basically saying, I might as well take on that, that guy. That's going to be with my boy for the next four years. So she was playing ping pong against uh, Matt rule coach rule. So that's a good sign there that we've been able to, to keep Maverick Noonan there from uh, Elkhorn South. What, what also you from game Brock...
4: that in the background? What's that? What video game is that in the background?
1: Golden Tea, huh. which I'm guessing Coach Frost played a lot of.
4: Yeah,
1: sounds um, like <laughs> that. With <laughs> <Ba-dum-bum>. <laughs> and then Brock Newts in there, uh, thanking Coach Rule and mm-hmm. Coach Satterfield for uh, visiting family while he's in, ta- in town out there in Scotts Bluff. Uh, he's also keeping with his commitment here. And then uh, Mike Souter, he mentioned Iowa special teams coach Levar Woods, Nebraska offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield, and special teams coordinator Ed Foley were stopping by Omaha West Side this morning. They went and saw 2024 athlete Caleb Benning, who has a Nebraska and Iowa offer. 2023 wide receiver Jalen Lloyd, 2025 linebacker Christian Jones have an offer, and then 2024 uh, quarterback Anthony Rezac, Teddy Rezac, pros- oh, athlete Teddy Rezac prospects on the radar. So. You know, again, they're going out there already. They're making connections right away, as fast as they can in the state, trying to play a little bit of catch up here. If they don't, you know, when when we lost that last staff, there was a lot of progress that was being made in state, and they're having to to catch up pretty quickly with that. But uh, um, it's important to be able to do that. Having the special teams coach, also, who is the uh, oh whom I think Tristan Alvano, the uh, the kicker from Omaha West Side that they had just offered about a week ago it's good to have the special teams coach go down there and see him too i think he's going to be making an official visit to lincoln and um you know we uh we always talk about how important it is to get those in-state kids Uh, the staff has definitely gone after that rob
3: can i I just want to ask a question because as all of our listeners know i don't live in nebraska and so i don't get to hear kind of like the, t- the chatter on the streets right like you know i get people here ask me a lot of questions because i live here and they know that i'm a big husker fan but i'm curious like with a lot of these kids that are being recruited um, have either committed or kind of put themselves out there saying like okay well i'm gonna still open up my recruitment and they're nebraska kids how many of these kids you know where is it an advantage at this point where their parents are f- our fans of the program see that rule is going to be the new coach and they might step in and tell their kid, like, Hey, let's, you know, we might really want to give this guy a chance. Does that make sense? Like what I'm asking, like how much of an influence does that sort of thing have over these kids seeing kind of this, what felt like a huge wave of happiness and positivity, whether it was like from Facebook, whether it was from Twitter, whether it was, you know, Instagram, et cetera, it seemed like there was a lot more positive feedback about this hire than it was negative.
1: Well, I mean, it's important to get off to a good start and get off on the right foot. And certainly that was something about last Monday's presser and everything that, you know, he, he won the press conference and, and hopefully that gives him a good leg up. But really, at the end of the day, it's not about what you say. I think it's about what your actions are and seeing him go out into the schools, hearing Lincoln High's coach and and, his, and their you know principal come out and say, you know, this is the first time we've seen the head coach out here at our school in, in years I think that has a lot of value there. Now I will also say just to, to play devil's advocate to that. Also, it's also important for high school coaches and coaching staffs to get out there and and try to see the staff as well. It goes, that relationship goes both ways. Yeah. I've been to a lot of coaches clinics and some coaching staffs do better than others from the high school level. Husker coaching staffs dating back to Solich all the way now to, to coach rule. Some of those staffs have done better than others with making those relationships. So relationships are, you know, a two way street, but it's important that we have those relationships getting built. Um, You know, Dave, this is, we can build our our team up through recruiting. That's one thing. The next thing here that we're going to show is transfer portal. I want to get your thoughts on some transfer portal, but here's some of the tweets that we have with it. Um, The transfer portal is now open for business. This was this morning. So let the chaos begin. It has Uh, Brent Venables. There's one from Oklahoma. Brent Venables didn't seem too concerned about who is going into the portal said it was players that couldn't see the field at OU except for a few other guys. So, I mean, this is what happens with some of the, the teams. It's like, ah, if that guy leaves, big deal. Um, the Gators, Florida here, they have guys just running into the portal. There's a whole list of five and four and three stars. Um, before I get to our question about about the quarterback here, I just want to talk with you, Dave, about is what are your thoughts here on the portal now? We're a couple years into it. Uh, what do you see it doing for for college football? and And what position is Nebraska in right now with it?
4: Well, I think it's on uh, a few folds here because if you take a look at Nebraska's situation, Nebraska benefited from the portal last year. I mean, you had your starting quarterback, one of the best receivers in school history, and uh, I think was Mathis the leading sack getter on the team this year. He was one of the best pass rushers. Yeah, you end on up the team. with three and a half. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so I mean, those are three dynamic players that uh, that helped Nebraska this year. And so, you know maybe we had hoped for a little bit more obviously but that wasn't necessarily those three guys fault and so mm-hmm. um you know nebraska benefited from the portal and i think they're in position to do that again um with some with some shrewd you know moves here um i think my preference would be that the portal would be supplemental and not um uh, your your the base of where you're pulling your talent from so if you I think the reality is that the transfer portal is here to stay. It's, it's not going anywhere. Um, They may get adjusted, but it's, it's here. And so learning how to use it to your advantage is going to be vital for any program that wants to succeed. And you saw the players from Florida, you know, uh, nobody's immune to losing players to the, to the portal. Um, um, But how many players is that? looks like 15 or so. I don't know. Um, You know, if, I think too, if, if you're seeing players from your program flock to the portal, that raises red flags to me as well. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think, I think it, like everything it's, it's going to be situational. There's going to be context and nuance around it, but, um, um, I think that there's certainly opportunity clearly you have five, four and five star players in the portal that there's clearly going to be opportunity there for, uh, for teams to get better. Um, and, uh, and it's just going to be a, a bigger challenge for, I think, schools, especially at the top end, that want to, to be developmental programs to keep that talent and develop it all the way through. That's just going to be a greater, greater challenge over time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, I, think, I think that's what we would like to see Nebraska be to some degree. Um, but I think that's going to be, you know, as the portal becomes more a thing, it's going to be harder to retain all of the talent that we could see become helpful players in years three and four, if they don't get to year three and four
1: here. Yeah. It, you know, that's the the challenge of the portals. if you're in year three and you haven't played yet, uh, those are the kids most apt to want to jump in the portal and, yeah. and go somewhere else where they can play right away, even though maybe they're getting developed along the way. I mean, Iowa is a great example of being a, a school that's kind of tried to stay clear of the the portal they haven't wanted to to jump into it at least in previous years but they've been bit by that they lost charlie Mm -hmm. jones they've lost players um that have exited the program from it so now you start to see it this year they've already picked up uh, the the quarterback from from michigan i think i saw that they were on some four star uh, tied in from michigan as well so you know even i was trying to get into it and they are traditionally a developmental uh school so to your point you know you want to have that balance again we'll use that that word balance You want that balance of being able to develop players, but also sometimes you need some individual, you know, upgrades at a position or two. And when you live too much in it, I thought last season, last off season is a good example. We, we heavily lived in it. Um, Michigan State a couple of years ago did, and it can really benefit you in a hurry. It can also hurt you if you get some of the wrong guys, but uh, that that's one of the challenges. And I think one of the reasons why getting our coaching staff in place right now, and we've said this now for the last week What's really important with the with the transfer portal is get these guys here now for the off season waiting till May and getting a guy in here after spring where he only has you know two or three months that seems to be a, a problem with expecting too much out of those guys like Oshan's a great player for us by the end of the season he was really starting to kind of come into his own would' love to see him come back another year, but you know to have him come here and only be in on campus for three months and then expect All-American got, you know, play right away on first game. That's probably not a realistic thing. Now, Boomer, the last one here that we had, and we said serious question, this is from the Redcast, is anybody in the Big Ten West going to have the same starting quarterback next season? Because it seems like just about everybody has been transferring. Uh, Iowa's had someone transfer. Uh, You know, uh, uh, obviously, you know, is Nebraska going to have a starting quarterback returning? I mean, do you see anybody, any quarterbacks right now from the Big Ten West that's going to be uh, the same starter coming back next year.
4: Oh
2: jeez, oh, yeah, Mertz just uh, transferred. Yeah, Mertz transferred. Uh, Iowa doesn't have theirs. We're kind of up in the air. Uh, I mean, Minnesota started with Tanner Morgan, who's on what his ninth or tenth contracted year, so I think he's <laughs> finally done. Um, geez, O'Connell, he's got to be a senior by now, doesn't he? I would think at Purdue. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. it's—I yeah, so. don't know if there will be in the uh, Illinois. Who's who's their starting QB? They might be the only one in Northwestern. Nobody knows who their QB is, so it doesn't really matter there. So, yeah. No, it's just crazy. I mean, if you look at it, and I think I saw a tweet earlier today, it's like half the ACC starting QBs have entered the portal as well. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's it's a crazy time. And it's quite frankly, it's almost impossible to kind of keep track of as a fan, you know, at this point. It, and, You know, I think that kind of speaks to why Rule wants a young, energetic coaching staff, because this is a lot of stuff to keep track of. And Mm -hmm. you kind of see this with some of the older coaches that just say they hate this and, you know, hate the transfer portal, hate NIL. And I can see why, because it takes a lot of a lot of, you know, just paying attention to this, having, you know, not only your coaches, but, you know, probably having to have analysts that are just dedicated to monitoring the transfer portal, who's in it. So you as a head coach have to manage that as well communicate your needs what you're looking for you know have to understand where your scholarships are at i mean this is a whole new world and kind of where that ceo sort of head coach is probably more important than ever and having an energetic one and and an energetic staff this just kind of speaks to that need you sound like my marriage counselor boomer well you know (laughs) i'm here to help rob so this is a trust tree so just whatever you want to bring up is fine yeah nothing just nothing will leave this podcast yeah i will say this and and i
3: i will say this and i think that i can share this is that um Oshan hasn't made a decision yet. I think he's thinking on it right now. Um, And it would be nice to see him come back, but he's also gotten some really solid advice. He has people very close to him um, that are giving him the best advice he can, letting him know what his draft stock would be in the NFL, all these things. He still has some time to declare if he decides to do that, Um, you know, but there is still a chance that he can come back. And I still also think that Casey's coming back. It seemed like he was really present, like lingering a lot during the Rural press conference. I'm curious though, based off of rules offense and everything else that's going on is, do they want Casey back, right? Like, I mean, like that's, he was a great quarterback, everything like that, but will he fit their system as well? So, I mean, there's a lot of things involved in those kind of decisions for some of these kids. One thing I have noticed is we have not had a lot of kids that have gone into the transfer portal today. So a lot of guys that still haven't made their decision because there was some guys that pulled that trigger pretty quickly. What, how many got, how many people was it today? Honky, seven. I mean, we had
1: three more today. They're all redshirt freshman guys. I yeah. haven't played much yet, but to yeah. the, to the earlier point, I think Dave, you're talking about, these would be developmental guys. Some of them are linemen in their second season. These are, you know, if you stick around to next year and the year after that, I mean, that's how you develop guys, but they're, they're transferring after two years. So uh, You know, it, it's hard to do both. It's hard to be developmental and also play in this this world of the the transfer portal.
3: It is. I and and it's funny because, like Ken here, he asked. He said, "I fear that I'm going to put throw it up there, Boomer. Sorry. Mm-hmm. The I fear the portal and nil will hurt Nebraska's ability to truly become a developmental program." To your point, and it's funny because you look mm-hmm. at it and there are all of these three and four star kids that are leaving schools like Alabama because they couldn't sniff the field which is great but at the same time we know that a lot of these kids that are at Alabama's three and four star recruits are still really good football players right I mean because they are almost like a developmental program where a lot of their guys don't get see the field until they're juniors right or sophomores or juniors so it's kind of a give and take I think sort of situation but, you know, is I, that-
1: think, I think using Alabama as an example Maybe being a developmental program what the future of being a developmental program looks like is getting kids in here at the very least for the full off season, because we brought in Steven Wynn last year, defensive tackle from Alabama, four-star player had been there for four years and he didn't do bad for us this year, but he also got here again in the summer and to maybe the developmental piece of this is we need to get these kids into onto campus in January. You got to get them acclimated in January you got to give them through a full strength and conditioning uh, offseason. you got to give them through spring ball. That's probably as much development as you can hope for at this point. And, uh, and if you can do that, then I think you can have a player that's going to be ultimately successful or, or at the best chance of being successful come fall. Think of the guys that we had last year that were here from the start of the year. You're talking about Casey Thompson. You're talking about Trey Palmer. Um, I don't know what Trey Palmer's season would have looked like if he would have gotten to, to Lincoln in July. But getting here in January and going through the full cycle of the offseason, that at least is something that's developmental. Uh, You know, there's an element of that at least involved. Um, Boomer, what do we have for for questions or comments? Is there anything that uh, before we keep moving on? And and Redcasters, as we're going through, as we do every week, feel free to be throwing out questions and anything that you want us to discuss. Uh, But uh, I'm curious what people think about, you know, the development side of it and the, the portal.
2: Yeah, it's been pretty quiet on there. You know, Ken's question on the portal. You know what it means for developmental programs, and I and I've seen that on Twitter from some other people as well. You know, especially at, at programs like Iowa and Wisconsin, where that's been their bread and butter for for years. And you know, that could be a serious concern. And and maybe that's where like uh, NIL comes into play for certain programs, where you have more of an incentive to to offer some players that are still going through that traditional more developmental thing, it gives them. More of a reason to stay there, and again, that's a challenge for schools like Iowa. They don't seem to have that big of an NIL presence there, so that that's a possibility. And uh, Ken also wanted to know what uh, Boomer and Rob are drinking, and I guess that's also true for Dave and Honky. I don't I don't know what you guys are enjoying this evening, but
1: uh, high quality H two O. Yep, H two O. All
2: right, that's fine. That's fair. So all right. But otherwise, anyway, so far fairly quiet on the uh, question front. I will. Keep well, you Boomer,
1: looking. what do you what
2: do you have? Uh, I'm enjoying a uh, reverse Manhattan at the moment. So call it a Staten Island or something. I don't know. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Okay, and uh, Rob, what do you got? I'm drinking uh, the Balvenie Doublewood 12-year-old scotch um, that I found in the liquor cabinet that's been in there aging probably for the last two years since I stopped drinking and then fell off the wagon. Um, Husker football will do that to you. And then I, you know, that is what it is. But the, um, yeah, it's good. Oh, boy, <laughs> I missed it. It's my first scotch I've had in two years. So.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, Redcasters as well, we're going to start talking a little Colorado here, but I, I want to get your thoughts too as we go through this, uh, as you're following along, what are your thoughts on the Colorado Athletic Director, uh, the comments, because here's the last tweet of Scarlet Colored Glasses before we get into basketball. And uh, as we know, the the Colorado AD, Rick George, he uh, <laughs> just messed up big time, challenge accepted. This is going to be fun. And we heard the audio at the very beginning of the show. Uh, I am challenging... Colorado fans to keep their tickets, not sell them for the home opener of the primetime Deion Sanders era in Boulder. Uh, they welcome Nebraska. So it'd be the second week of the season. They're going to start the year at TCU. And then they, they come home and they play Nebraska. And I, I think producer Skip on the text chain uh boomer was he saying that even colorado state is after that so I yes think uh,
2: i don't know who scheduled their non-con but boy they bid off a heck of a lot for a lousy program
1: well colorado a lot of times does that too they play some of the the weirder non-conference schedules or they'll play like one game one game road game series against like other power five teams and not even have the return it's kind of strange how they do that but um I guess you know. Here we go. Hey, Redcasters! Over the course of the off season, as you get your tickets to Nebraska at Colorado, uh, send us a tweet if you would let everyone know how many seats you're going to be painting that red that day. We'll be happy to retweet it. Use the hashtag uh, #CURedOut. Same hashtag that we did uh, back in 2019. That took off really well. Uh, we had, a, and obviously, it worked out in 2019 as well. We had a lot of people in red there uh dave i'll start with you first off have you do you go to any away games ever have you been to I've any? Been, i
4: have been to away games um it's been a few years since i've been mm-hmm. to one um i think the last one i went to was the first year first time we visited michigan stadium it was the last road game i went to
1: 2013
4: so, yeah we got smoked um it was a great day it was a lot, i had a lot of fun but we, we lost um, oh um, no, like I'm wrong. Right. That, that would have been yeah.
1: 2011,
2: I think. Yeah,
4: yeah. It was yes. that, I, think it was that, I think that was the last road game I went to. Uh, I'm trying to think, but um, yeah, I've been a handful over the years. Um, I didn't really start going to road games until they uh, started losing all the road games, and so I haven't really seen them win on the road. Except for, uh, I think the only road win I've seen was 2003 Colorado.
2: Yeah,
0: okay. uh, so
4: which last game. So, oh, sure. Yeah. I, I believe that's the, uh, the only road win I've seen. So, do you, unless you count the Alamo Bowl, does Alamo Bowl count in 2003?
1: Not a true road game. Not but, a true road uh, game.
4: But how's it that Rob, one? Rob, how
1: about you with, with road games? You got any that, uh, that stick out in your mind that uh, were, were better? Or other? I mean, I've, only been, to, I've only been there?
3: to two, um, and that was Colorado with you where we got into our huge fight and ended up in like having to edit an entire show because of it. (laughs) Um, Um, And then I went to Rutgers. Well, and And then you
1: went to Illinois. You went to
3: Illinois. Oh, I did go to Illinois. I'm sorry. I'm honky. We promised we'd never talk about that one again. So I was actually, I was blocking it not only out of my memory, but I was purposefully not discussing it. But yeah, I saw Illinois. Um, I was at Illinois. I was there. Thank you. Now I won't sleep tonight. I appreciate you. Um, but yeah, I was at Rutgers. So I'm one and oh. That's the way I'm looking at it because everything else is I'm just forgetting that because that was a different coach.
1: Boomer, how about you? I mean, you and I went to a and in '06 and saw the yeah. purify or we didn't really get to see it because of where our seats were, but uh, we got to experience purify catching the last second touchdown. That was a good one. Any other games that stick out in your mind or away games that you've been to?
2: Boy, not not many victories. It's it's been a while since I've been to a road game for a, for a win. Gosh, I'm trying to think. It's almost sad to say that might be the last one I went to. I gonna have been to some games in Iowa and Minnesota. I haven't come away with wins in any of those. So yeah, we went to the Wisconsin
1: game, the Wisconsin. first game in the Big Ten. Well, thank you. Yeah, 000, that was good. But I'm for about a
2: thoroughly quarter, depressed now. Yeah, that's that mm-hmm. hasn't been good. Well, yeah, that might be the, the last time. Yeah. Well,
1: I've been to some wins. You know, I went to uh, Michigan 2013. That was a good win out there in the in the Big House. Uh, one win that I've been to, which was the strangest ever, was 2011 Penn State Sandusky mm-hmm. Week. Just the the absolute most bizarre environment I think I've ever been in uh, for an away game. But um, I guess you know, Boomer, when you heard what were your initial thoughts when you heard the the Colorado athletic director on the opening press <laughs> conference for Dion basically, you know, calling out Nebraska there or calling out his fans to keep keep out of the stadium for, uh, you know, Husker fans coming in here. I mean, that seems like a, it's an odd statement at a opening press conference for, you know, it's not really promoting your coach. It's more like begging your your, your fans to show up. But I guess, what were your yeah. thoughts as you heard that?
2: Yeah, first thing, I, I, I thought that that is a strange thing to bring up. It would have been like, I don't know, Albert's talking about, who knows, you know, Wisconsin tickets or something next year during rules announcement. it just seemed like an odd thing to do. And it was an odd and you know, just kind of a bizarre thing to mention at a press conference, especially I call it another team by name like that. And then I don't know, maybe it's just part of the, you know, the AD chess he's playing, he knows they need to, to pay for Dion somehow. So let's uh, con Nebraska fans into snapping up season tickets at highly inflated prices. And, do whatever so who knows what it is but somehow i don't think he's that clever as an athletic director i think it's just just a hope he had but he's probably going to sell a heck of a lot of season tickets because of it so whether you, intentional or not it'll probably work
1: so did you see the one um that he was asked about the money part and he's like well i don't yes. exactly know where the money's from yet but yeah, it. we'll
2: work that out later it's just like a credit card it's it's brilliant so yeah it's <laughs> someone else's problem later so
1: you know, rob yeah. you're out there in colorado what are your thoughts on
3: it so a couple things. First of all, I'd like to know where the people who are saying they have five tickets or eight tickets or anything like that to the game are getting them already, because I know for a fact they're still in the deposit stage and they won't be announcing ticket pricing or packages or anything like that until like January, February of this year. And the reason I know that for a fact is because my wife has her master's degree from University of Colorado and I signed up for as like a potential season ticket holder for the last Nebraska game in Colorado and I continue to get calls for donations and things like that. Last week they were really pushy about the d- donations too kind of like, mm-hmm. "Oh, are you planning on supporting us anymore?" kind of thing. Um and so I can tell you right now and I know this for a fact because I do live in Colorado and I spend a lot of time Colorado Springs in Denver. All along the Front Range, all the way up to Greeley, Colorado, Fort Collins, where I shop at Costco, everywhere. Costco sells three different colleges at their um, store. Like they will sell like college stuff. I think I have a beanie. I I think I have a hat back here from from that I bought there. They sell CSU, they sell CU, and they sell Nebraska. Like every single time, like I can buy Nebraska gear in Colorado just about anywhere that I go. They sell it. But you want to know why? Because there are more Nebraska fans in Colorado than there are CU fans. And the fact that this guy is going on there and telling CU fans not to sell their tickets – And when he says that, you can hear the dozen people. And I didn't say dozens with an S. I said the dozen people in the background that are actually like laughing at his comment. And the reason they're laughing isn't because they're nervous or because they think it's funny that Colorado fans might actually sell their tickets. because they know that that's absolutely what they're already going to do. There are no CU fans. There are a few CU fans but they aren't fans. They're fans when the team is good. They are the ultimate definition of bandwagon in this state. And I'm not going to say that about other sports. They support their other sports, but CU Boulder, Buffalo, everything fans are bandwagon. I worked in Boulder for almost 10 years. And I can tell you right now, most of the students that go there aren't even football fans.
1: Well, what would be interesting is how that works with Dion. You know, we talked a lot about when coach Ruga came here about fit Um you know Dave, maybe I'll I'll throw this one to you here. Um you've had a chance to probably see a little bit, read a little bit on Dion, just how his, he's kind of transitioning in there. He uh, did you see the video of him talking to his team and basically saying you guys can all leave. You can just go no, I heard about
4: it. I, I haven't seen the clip yet.
1: Uh-uh. Uh you know do you think I mean look I mean it's it's early right now. I mean that we'll only know in a couple of years if this is, is works or not, but I mean, do you see him being a good fit there, Colorado? Do you think that's going to be a long-term thing where that really works out? What are your thoughts? No,
0: no, no.
4: I, I don't. I don't. I mean, you never know, I guess, but uh, it's it feels odd, like an odd fit. It feels like mm-hmm. a really odd fit. It's a it's a high risk, high low reward. You know, high risk, high reward sort of a deal. So if it hits big, you know, you have to think he's he'll be gone five minutes after the end of the whatever the Pac-12 championship game is. When mm-hmm. everybody leaves that conference, so like, um, it, it, I don't know. It doesn't feel like I, you know, my wife and I have like to vacation in Colorado, and I don't get a Deion Sanders feel. That's not what Colorado feels like to me, and so mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Like, it, I, I have a hard time seeing it work. But if it does, uh, he'll be in the SEC twenty minutes later. So
1: that's the that's the thing. And Boomer, I want to get you kind of into this here too. Is that you know you're entering into essentially a little bit of a dying conference right now. I mean, the Pac 10 or Pac-12 is about to become the Pac 10 again by losing its two biggest members you can have, USC and UCLA, in a year. So he's coming yeah, in possibly there. Possibly more. Yeah. Possibly more. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Oregon and Washington are right on the precipice of getting brought in here over this offseason, too. But you know, you look at what's you, you look at what's going on there, and he's coming into that that video of him, it was almost awkward to watch him talking to the Colorado team and saying, yeah, you know, I've already got my quarterback. He's talking about his kid. He's talking about these guys he's bringing up with him from Jackson state, which is great. But so your, your immediate thing is I want, you know, I want a good chunk of my current players that have been on the team to go into the portal, leave, and I'm going to replace them with division two guys that have been with me down at Jackson state. And that's your, that's your, your
3: success. Is Jackson state division two. Yes. Um, Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I mean, they were just on ESPN so much this year. I assume that they were like a division one or an FCS school or something like that. I didn't realize it. Look good. at look
1: that up, boomer. Just so we make sure I'm not, I'm I, not wrong I it, know but...
3: that they're like one of the like historically black colleges, right? Yeah. Like, sure. I, yeah okay. I and, he, I, this, and he even yeah. came in and basically told the starting quarterback at CU, like, by the way, I don't care about competition. My son is your new quarterback. Like so Dion said does their, their I was about to say, yeah, I was about to say who does that, but Dion does that. Like that does is, that. if 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 any of our listeners are old enough to remember Dion as a player, like from Atlanta to the Cowboys to the Niners to the Cowboys to the Niners to the Cowboys to the, Cowboys, to the Niners to the, the Cowboys. I mean, that guy has no loyalty whatsoever. I guarantee you he's out of there after like two years. I mean, mm-hmm. if he has any type of success or whatever, he's gone. Like he has no loyalty whatsoever. He is going to be I don't even know why we're talking so much buffs here, but he's, he's going to be gone before, before they even realize that he's there. That's, that's yeah, my I opinion think, on that. I think
2: that's highly possible. It, it'll either be because he's had success there and, and, you know, it's, it's a good opportunity for him to promote himself and Colorado as well. I they need the publicity because they've been sure pretty dismal for the past decade and a half outside of one year, I think. And then, or it's going to flame out like the Hindenburg and be enjoyable to watch either way. But, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to – I can see what they're trying to do. They need some sort of excitement and enthusiasm for that program, which hasn't had any. Yeah. And then they've already – I already saw just, just a few hours ago they hired uh, Sean Lewis, the head coach of Kent State, to come be their offensive coordinator. So they have a guy, you know, a steady football hand, you know, the Division One level as well, you know, Mac, sure. But, you know, if they start building something there, they've got a guy – Ready to replace, you know, Dion, if he does succeed and get some talent there and get him heading in the right direction. So mm-hmm. I sort of see what they're doing, but will it work? Who yeah. knows? Well, It'll be and we've to watch seen, it.
1: and we saw it a couple of years ago with Tucker there. He's there for one year and then big money from the Big Ten came calling and, and he, you know, he leaves after one season really awkwardly, kind of in the middle of the offseason. So I mean, Colorado's been, was through he this. even there
3: for a season? I thought he like took the job was and then it? left for Michigan State. No, he
1: was there for, they beat us. So, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that's
3: right. He was the co- coach there at yeah. that time, huh? Yeah, my it's it's all a blur. Well,
1: yeah. before we head over to basketball, Boomer, do we have any final things on uh, football? Any questions that have come in? Anything that uh, the viewers want us to discuss with football? Or if not, we're going to go into basketball.
2: Well, Scott wanted to just reiterate that uh, Jackson is FCS, so there's that. Um, Ken's just already planning ahead that, uh, you know, Uber from Longmont to avoid getting your tires slashed out there.
3: So keep that. So it's all good right. Idea. You know.
1: switch your, switch your plates. Don't worry, switch Scott. Don't worry, Ken.
3: I actually know um places to park in Boulder that are one free and only about like a mile from the stadium, which sounds like a long way cause it's all uphill. But I mean, the whole place is just filled with Husker fans. Anyway, as honky, I think emphasized last show where we were, trying to walk to find like a place to hang out with some bus fans just to kind of talk football and everything was Huskers everywhere from what we could see. Yeah. And that,
2: and that could well be a crazy game next year. Both Nebraska and Colorado win week one. Cause it's Minnesota and TCU. Everybody's starting out for power fives next season. I mean, that could be a heck mm-hmm. of a heck of a ticket to get
3: in week two, if they both managed to. The buffs beat TCU next year in week one. <laughs> yeah. I'll get a Scott Frost tattoo. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. And now Nebraska ball.
1: We get a kickoff, you know, really our first Nebraska ball segment here of the season talking about a huge victory yesterday. Um, to go to the tweets here, first off, this is a little bit of what we saw. It was the greatest Husker basketball day ever. Uh, the women went out and beat number 20 Maryland on the road. And then, uh, and then the, the guys yesterday go to Omaha, beat number seven Creighton. Um, let's start with that. There's a couple other tweets we'll get to. But, Dave, we brought you on to talk some basketball here. Give us your initial thoughts here as you watched the game yesterday.
4: Uh, I, it was stunning. I mean, I, I don't think anybody who's watched this series over the last 20 years had any notion that this was likely, certainly not likely, um i think um you know i listened to sam uh greasel's statement after the game where he's like this is why i came to nebraska this is why for for this game this is the game i wanted to win the most and it's like that just is i had i think i tweeted i was like if you want to shoot up favorite player lists right now that's how you do it right there because um i mean he was he was great um I, i mean as a as a fan living in the state of nebraska i live in lincoln not Omaha, um, but I'm from Omaha, so I have a lot of crossover with Creighton, and like that's just the that's that's the game, basketball wise, that you want to win every year. That's the one where you get the bragging rights. You know, football it's Iowa because mm-hmm. you interact with Iowa fans, and basketball it's Creighton, um, and so to 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 be able to go into whatever they're calling their building now to win. <clears throat> And beat the um, what was supposed to be the greatest team in Creighton basketball history, and to kind of bully them for forty mm-hmm. minutes on their home court was um, was just a thing of beauty, and it was just it was you know uh, mm-hmm. the, a blast to sit and watch and, and and see that happen.
1: Well, if you think about it, to your point there about that Creighton team, that's a team that went to I think it was Maui mm-hmm. and beat what is now number nine. Arkansas they beat yep. Texas Tech and Texas Tech was ranked at the time they lost by two points to Arizona and I know as I say that Rob's like Rob's an Arizona basketball fan so he was he was saying that they were down by seven or eight throughout most of the game but still at the end of the game they lost by two and they lost by five mm-hmm. the, their other loss was they lost by five to number two Texas on the road yep. you know three days before we played them I mean that's that's a battle-tested Creighton team yep. that uh really, I mean, and look, their seasons, they could turn around and have an unbelievable season here. Big East doesn't look real deep. You've got UConn, and then there's nobody else right now that's ranked. Um, it's interesting. I mean, that's a team that they have high aspirations. And for Nebraska to go in and not just win. We didn't just win. We really yep, dominated. Bullied them. bullied them around. Um, Boomer. Derek Walker. What does that guy bring <laughs> to the team? What do we like without him, and what do we like with him?
2: Well, we saw what we were like without him when he wasn't playing at the beginning of the season. I mean, it Mm -hmm. was, we were just lacking just kind of a presence as a team. It just wasn't really there. And, you know, once he's had a chance to to get here and get a few games under his belt, it just seems to make the game easier for everybody else. I mean, he's scoring points. I mean, what did he, how many points did he have this last game? 22, I think it was. 22, yeah. Makes the game easier for everyone else, opens things up. And, and like you said, we were able to bully a Creighton team. You know, that was, just kind of fun to watch you know it was finally a team had you know trouble scoring against us and we were able to take advantage of it we didn't have one of those patented eight minute scoring droughts we've come to know and love so much for Nebraska ball it's just <laughs> we took a lead and we kept it and that put more pressure on a team that was shooting poorly for a change. Yep. we didn't give them a bunch of cheap free throws didn't get a lot of cheap threes off and it Played a game that we wanted to play and made it ugly, which is interesting because it seems to be totally against the way Horberg likes to play basketball. And I think that's that's kind of neat to see how he's adapted what he does as a coach to try to better fit who we play in the conference we're in.
1: Yeah, Boomer, I mean, here's a nice little uh, uh, thing that he said after the game that is exactly to that. I love how he said that. It pains him to do that, but he, it's what we needed to do to win with this team is we have to slow things down. We've got to play some defense. Um there if you watch the game on TV, Nick Baugh was one of the guys doing the, the television and uh, he's on the Herdat network. And Baugh I thought had a great statement. It was the second possession for Nebraska. We got the ball into Walker and he shot a little kind of tried to do a little shot over the seven-footer from Creighton and the guy blocks it. And ball right away is like, I don't think that's, you know, that's not a recipe for success there. You're not going to shoot it over the guy. You got to take it to him. And I don't think for the rest of the game, I'm not sure if I saw Walker again, try to do, try to shoot over the guy. He took it to him and around him. And that guy flat out could not cover Walker. It was, it was impressive.
3: Uh, Rob, you want to say something? I do. I, so one of the things that really impressed me about this game and Hoiberg just hit on it right there is that, and he, he didn't say this directly, but, he was actually able to make adjustments as a coach for one of the first times that I've really seen him like actually try to make adjustments, right? Because against Boston College, for example, right? Like Tominaga had what 23 points. He was shooting a bunch of threes. He played 25 minutes in that game. He was he was a huge presence and a big reason why we blew out Boston College, right? in the game yesterday, he only played like 14 or 15 minutes in the entire game. And I mean, while he did score a few points, I think he hit a couple threes at the same time. That wasn't what the game plan was and Walker just feeding the ball to him inside. And Dave and I talked about it and I don't know how well it'll transfer to big 10 basketball because we need a big man inside, but Walker was a beast in there and every time they fed the ball to him he just went straight at the big guys on Creighton's team because he's strong he's physical he might be four inches shorter but he's getting the ball to the boards he's putting it in and one of the things that we didn't do yesterday as well was we were really good at defensive rebounding we weren't just like Mm -hmm. giving back a lot of second chances to Creighton after they were missing those threes and they were missing those threes I mean there was a really hard defensive pressure on the outside on the Creighton players every time they shot the ball And so they had somebody in their face every time. And that's the kind of thing that you need to do. So I was really impressed with Hoiberg's ability to, to adjust to the team that they're playing. Because, like I said, Tominaga was like a key for me. I kept thinking yesterday, where is he? Where is he? I went back and looked. He only played... What, 14 or 15 minutes. And mm-hmm. it makes sense because Creighton was a team that you want to pound them from the inside mm-hmm. and just continue to just be more physical than them. And they're hitting their free throws. That is something right. that, I mean, you know, they're not, it's not like some kind of phenomenal number, but they're doing it at a rate to where it's not noticeable. And I think well, that's super important for this
1: team. You need to have that. I mean, to your point here, here's Hoiberg talking about this. Everyone's contributing on this team. So Dave, Rob made that mention that uh, you know we'll see how this translates to the Big Ten or not, this style of play. As you saw what we did against uh, Creighton yesterday, how do you think this does translate uh, schematically, I guess, to the conference? Because that's been an issue for the last three years with Hoiberg, was Hoiberg-style ball didn't seem to translate well to the Big Ten or we weren't good at doing it. This is definitely a different style.
4: Uh, I think one of the thoughts that I had coming into the season was that this finally looks like a Big Ten roster. Mm-hmm. um and so what does
1: that what does that mean by the way what, well what does the so you have
4: like? i would say you have physical defenders in the backcourt so you're going to have guys that can defend uh gary and Bandamel can defend your uh guards for your opponents your point guards your shooting guards and you have um physical uh post players in uh walker like we've seen we already knew that about him and um th- that the hope is that you blaze kata turns into that as well Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, last year, one of the things that drove me nuts about the team last year is they, they had no, at least early on, this changed towards the last few games of the, of the year. Um, they had no interest in, in playing hard-nosed basketball. They didn't, there was one player who dove for a loose ball and he got hurt against Michigan and, and Breidenbach. He was the only player who did it early in the year. Um, and now uh that's kind of everybody does like you see uh Greasel's diving for loose balls out by midcourt for no th- there's there's no good that's going to come from that but he's he's doing that because that's what that's how he plays playing in and play out doesn't matter the circumstances cuz he wants mm-hmm. to yeah exactly and he's so a nebraska see, kid he's like nebraska tough well like, i mean i mean you heard i mean he, this is his dream to be playing on the, for nebraska like there aren't many kids that that are that good that want to play for this team and so for him to come in and and say like this this is all i've wanted (laughs) you know and to be able to live out that dream makes a difference and so um you know i mentioned at the beginning of the show about the the black shirts for basketball like Mm -hmm. you, you know gary was known as a defender um he came in and talked about you know they've never seen a defender like me in the big ten which okay but But he's living up to that reputation of being just a hard nosed defender. He shut down Trey Alexander yesterday. Draymond Green Um, like a word. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, 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 Abandamel. I think think Abandamel had the the um, Nemhart assignment yesterday. But like those guys were completely taken out of the game. Um, Greasel um, and, and Walker like they had this two man game yesterday. That you know Nebraska played Big Ten basketball. Creighton wanted no part of playing big Ten basketball, and mm-hmm. um, that showed um, pretty much the entire game that, that when Nebraska tried to play Ten basketball the, you know the, uh, like you were talking about what boss said at the early in the game where, where Walker tried to do this, whatever shot that was, and then the rest of the game he took the game the the ball right at um, Kalkbrenner and put his shoulder into him, knocked him back a step, and that gave him all the room he needed to go up and score, and he had a career night because of it. Hey, so, Dave, if I if I told you that one team shot 43s and the other one shot 12, who would you think I was talking about? You mean like who shot 12? Who shot 12 and who shot 40? Well, usually that's going to be the team that loses.
3: Well, and and you're right. And it also sounds like something Nebraska from last year, right? Like we're jacking up threes all the time. For sure. Creighton was 10 for 40. 10 for 40. 25% from the field on threes. Okay. Nebraska also shot 25% from three. But they were three for twelve. And so that's a big difference. And it's funny because the announcers on the t- in the game, and I'm and I'm still talking to you about here, Dave, because I I know that you know your basketball there. The announcers kept talking about, oh, Nebraska hasn't hit a three in this long. And they kept saying this, and I'm going like they're winning the game by eight points right now. Yeah. They're winning the game by nine points right now. And every time we look up walkers pounding the boards and getting, and getting a two and an, and one and and the balls going and the balls going inside out, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it, it was beautiful basketball. It was, it was probably my favorite game mm-hmm. I've ever watched for Nebraska because it was inside out. And at the same time I'm watching the Raider charger game, obligatory uh, Raider mentioned there, but like I'm watching these two games back and forth on, on different screens and, You know, but I can't take my eyes off the Nebraska game while they're while while my favorite football team that I have been dedicated to for forty eight years is over here playing on the on the other screen. And it was because it was just it was I was enamored with how well they were playing, especially after beating two ACC or yeah AC two ACC teams, right? And it was it blew my mind because they weren't jacking up threes like they usually used to and i'm ho and but the game nope. before the game before they absolutely were jacking up threes i i have yeah. to go back and look at the schedule and the, and, the, and everything like there but against boston college they shot i mean we're we're talking basketball here they shot 22 mm-hmm. th- you know 10 more three points yeah i, I, I still I, have as much as
4: we shoot last year so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. yeah last that we could go I don't know. I don't need to compare. I don't need to talk about last year's basketball. Sure. But, yeah. 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 That was uh, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I you're good. But um, I, by by sheer luck of fate or whatever, last night I happened to be um, in my car after the game and was kind of flipping back and forth between the Nebraska post game and the Creighton post game, and I heard um, uh, I heard Coach McDermott talk about how their game plan was to shut down Wiltshire and Tominaga. That was what their goal was. They didn't want to be beat because those are the only two guys that are going to beat them from three.
3: Mm-hmm. And so
4: they were they were their game plan was to shut those two guys out. And I think between the two of them, they were like one for nine from three or something like that. So they were effective in doing that, but they had no answer for Greasel and and Walker. Well, that's they interesting. had no answer for that.
1: That's interesting to hear what their game plan was here, because this was this was our game plan from Hoiberg. So to your point there, Dave, their game plan, Creighton's, to stop our shooters, basically stop Wilter and Tomanaga. it worked, essentially. But then to Rob's point about making adjustments during it, we started having the ball go through Derek and going through Sam and, and became a different game. And really, maybe in the process, too, I think we found some things that, that that's what can work for us. There were so many easy shots we made. And so it's probably one of the most fun games I've watched us play in forever. This is a fun team. Mm -hmm. I don't know how great of players we have compared to some of the guys we've had on previous seasons that, you know, I don't know if we have a, you know, an NBA guy here or not, but we've got a team that plays hard. They play together. And one other thing as I'm, as I'm watching, and I'm just thinking of this with Hoiberg, both Hoiberg and Frost went through the same thing a year ago with Trev, where Trev, uh, you know, could have fired him. Retain them for the year. They make some agreements. They make some changes with their staffs and all this. And um, with Frost, I don't know if we ever really saw the changes or he fought the changes. Right? If it was about not being an offensive coordinator, he fought them. You see it with Hoiberg here. If it's going to work, he's having to make some changes. And and Dave, we talked about this this morning. Um, the defense, how much better it is, and talk a little bit about the the defensive coach that they brought in and what are we doing different on defense. But but clearly. I think Fred looked at this and said, "I can't keep doing what I've been doing. I just can't. The, the, all the, you know, all the hubris I've got, I can't. That's not winning games. I've got to make some changes." And he clearly looks like he's made some changes.
4: Yeah, I think he has. Uh, I think one of the, you know to kind of get to the Frost Hoiberg you know, contrast there. I've been thinking about this too, and it's, it's it's to me that really speaks to the level of one humility that Coach Hoiberg has shown, and um, and th- I think the. You know, here in the clip you played there, just to show um, that he is willing to do what it takes to win. To be able to make the changes that are necessary. Because he went, he said, like, it killed him to take the air out of the ball, right? Like, And mm-hmm. I, I, I personally don't prefer to watch that kind of offense either. But I would rather beat Creighton, taking the air out of the ball, than to get run out of the building, shooting 27 threes a game and only hitting five of them, right? So to be able to, to, I would guess it was difficult for him to stick with that game plan for 40 minutes and to keep doing that. Um, But it was working. And so he had the discipline to say, no, this is working. This was what we need to do to win today. Um, um, And so on the defensive side of things, Adam Howard was the coach that was brought in to replace um, uh, Doc Sadler and Doc Sadler. And, um, and then, and he's known for being the defensive coach um i i can't sit here and tell you all the schematic changes he's made that's that's not my lane but um kind of like i talked about earlier it's clear that this team's bought into a defensive mentality and a hard nose grinded out scrappy we're gonna we're gonna get in your shorts and we're gonna make it uncomfortable for you for for 40 minutes they bought into that mentality um that was evident to me from day one um and so uh, the, the, the personality and the mentality shift has been striking, uh, this year relative to last year. Um, you know, and I, I don't know what that means in terms of big 10 teams, because mm-hmm. there's going to be, or big 10 wins, cause you're going to face, you're going to starting on Wednesday, you're going to have 20 games where teams, um, are not afraid to, to make it ugly and make it, uh, physical and, and, and painful. But, To have a team that's willing to do that and willing to play that style of basketball this year in Lincoln, um, I think will lead to more wins than we've seen in recent years. Is that eight wins? Is that fourteen wins? I don't know. It might be six wins. I'm not sure, but I think you'll see a team that fits in the Big Ten for the first time under they only get
3: if if I think uh, it'll be interesting because. Creighton was number seven yesterday mm-hmm. right when they beat him right which so it's a huge it's a top 10 win I know they're 21 now um, apparently they don't revere losing to Nebraska as well as like Arizona losing to Utah who only dropped to number 10 from number four Creighton dropped from number seven to number 21 for losing to Nebraska um, but they go else in, lost to Texas and, I mean, and it says number preferable. 10 it says number 10 Indiana there but everything I'm looking at says number 14, Indiana. So I'm not quite sure exactly. Yeah, and Purdue's number yeah. four, I think. And Purdue's so. number four right now. But my point is, is that they are about to go on a two-game uh, win streak against, two, uh, well, three-game win streak against ranked teams in the top 25. Is, I mean, I think Indiana is going to come into this game. I think they're kind of reevaluating the way that they're going to play this game, I think, a little bit after seeing Nebraska play basically – I've seen in the last three games, it feels like they played three different styles of basketball. Dave, you might I don't know if you can agree with me or disagree, yeah. but it, it does in the last three games against Florida state, Boston college and Creighton. It feels like they've played three different types of ball and they have dominated every single time that they've gone out onto the court. I mean, Florida state, they killed them by like 20. I mean, Boston college, they beat them by 21 and then Creighton, they led the, almost the entirety of the game. So I'll be curious to see when they go somewhere, they got Indiana at home, right? Oh, no, it's at Indiana. It's at Indiana. Indiana, But they played well
4: well in Indiana the last few years.
1: And we've won three straight road games against ranked teams now Yeah. with uh, Creighton dating back to last year with uh, Ohio State and Wisconsin. And that's the thing I think, Dave, you were mentioning and why I bring this slide back up is what the schedule looks like. I mean, first Mm -hmm. off, uh, Jack Mitchell here, he had posted where – you know, uh, guys, the the NET, the net rankings uh, just came out and we were 59th in the country. Now, the challenge with that is 59th in the country was ninth best in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a, a conference that is loaded. As we look at this upcoming schedule, you know, we just beat Creighton now on Wednesday night at, at 7.30. Uh, we're going to be playing at number 10 or number 14, Indiana. And then the big one, Saturday, number four, Purdue comes in, to uh, into Lincoln. And so I've been to the, uh, I went to the main game and uh, the the home opener of the season, you know, wasn't a big crowd. And, and I've seen some of the other crowds, those first few games. And, and I think fans were very skeptical and not wanting to come out, but this is a game. Hopefully we do well against Indiana, whether that's win or just play really close, whatever it is. When Purdue comes here, this is the game we need to sell out. We need fans in the stands. It's going to be a Saturday game. The time is uh, one in the afternoon, perfect time to come down there and, and go to the rail yard and all that stuff. We need a sold out, you know, fan base there. And, um, and one of the things, you know, cause when Purdue, when I think of Purdue, the first thing I think of, there's always like, they have like three, seven foot Russians every year on the team. It seems like, and one of the things that, um, you know, Hoiberg talked about with this team yeah. is that it has positional size. Not necessarily that we have seven foot dudes on the team that can compete against that, but just across the board, you yeah. know what Sam Griesel is at, at guard, and and uh, I love what Gary brings to his position. There are times where on the court we would have we'd have Gary out there with Walker, or we would have Blaze Keita with uh with uh, or not um, Breidenbach at the same time. I mean, we had different you know kind of matchups like this, but positional height, positional size, you know, Dave, what is it going to take? To get through, that let's we're going to win games here. To, to Rob's point, we're going to drink the Kool Aid. What does it take to beat Indiana here on the road and to beat Purdue and to finish off the greatest week in, in Nebraska basketball history?
4: Um, I mean, you're going to have to stick to whatever that game plan is. You know, you're going to have to have the discipline like they showed against Creighton. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I was really impressed. Um, they they and this was before Walker came back, but they they did not show a lot of, of poise against St. John's again, that game, they really kind of wilted under that. Yeah. They really kind of wilted under that pressure. And, um, you know, St. John's plays a a frenetic frenzied style of defense, which they probably won't see again this year. Um, And so, uh, you know, I I think I was really pleased to see the poise that they played with. They're going to need to play with a lot of poise at assembly hall on Wednesday. That's a hard place to play. So Mm -hmm. having a veteran um, experienced leader, Uh, leaders and and Greasel and and Walker helps there. Um, uh, So, you know, I I think seeing kind of like Rob was talking about three unique games with three unique game plans, uh, you're going to need a fourth and a fifth and a sixth to be in these next three games. Um, And so if, if, you know, I, I trust that the, to me, the coaches have shown that they can do that and come up with a game plan for, for whatever the situation. So, they can do that again. Um, if they can do that again against Indiana and Purdue, and stick to that plan for 40 minutes, and understand that there's going to be ups and downs and twists and turns in those games, um, you know that would give them a chance. Uh, I mean, make no mistake; those are two really good teams we got coming up. Like playing Indiana and Purdue are probably the two best teams in the Big Ten.
1: And we and, and we get those two in December
2: of you yeah. Know, just to, for people, so if you want to go bright
4: team. side, that means we get them out of the way. We don't have to play them again. Uh, I think we will play mm-hmm. one of them again somewhere at point. You know, I think Indiana comes to. Yeah, like we that. get
2: Purdue twice because of course uh, we think, do. Okay,
4: yeah. yeah. So, but um, but but let's say this: you've
3: got an eighteen nineteen win Husker team. Okay, I'm thinking hypothetically here. Maybe we get to twenty wins, but it comes like we get into the tournament. Maybe we get in the second, third round of the Big Ten tournament. All of a sudden, they're looking for teams to fill the bracket. They've got wins over Creighton. They've got wins over two ACC teams. Maybe they've got a win over Indiana and Purdue. Let's say we split these two games. You know, early on in the season, while they're ranked all top 25 those are the type of things that like get you into the tournament those are the wins that get mm-hmm. you into the tournament and if anybody's going to drink the Kool-Aid it's going to be me and everybody knows like i'm a big arizona basketball fan i have been since like 1986 or 1985 somewhere around those you know and so every year it's like okay looking at resume builders and those are the type of wins that a team like Nebraska needs to where – because they're also going to have to – they have to earn the respect more than anybody else, right? Like nobody's going to look at and go, oh, we should let Nebraska in this year because they had a couple of close losses. No, what we need are some good wins.
1: Well, they need to earn respect of the fans, and that's what I was talking about with what they just did in Omaha and what they've done the last three games. That's starting – to that's getting the attention. I mean, we're talking about them as much as we have on this show, and I guarantee you we wouldn't be if those wins didn't happen. Um, And all of this has happened to put this in perspective. If you haven't been following it closely, Redcasters Walker doesn't play this season until basically the Florida state game. And so with him, we've beaten three straight power, six teams now Two ACC and and Creighton. We're playing really good basketball right now, which I guess is what you want to be doing when you're going to be playing uh, Indiana on the road and Purdue here. And to your point there, Dave, um, those are the two teams that we play right now in December. The way that Big Ten scheduling has changed the last few years is you play two Big Ten schools early and then you you go through the the holiday break and you come back and play the rest of your schedule. It just so happens, luck of the draw, that the two teams that we get in December are probably the two best teams in in the conference. So that's that's what we're tasked with doing, we get done with that. We have Kansas state after that. There's another
2: game with like Queens of something. Yeah, Queens college. It's probably from England or something. I yeah. guess
1: <laughs> Something yeah, yeah, like that. Good. But, but we, you know, we get through it and, uh, and then you're back, you know, now it's next year, you know, you're into the second semester and you're uh, you're playing in, into the, the big 10, the, the heart of the schedule then, um, you know, this has been a great chat here, guys. I mean, we did everything that uh, I expected of us with football and basketball um, Boomer, is there anything else left in the comments or, or any questions, anything that uh, we want to bring up before we move over to the parting shots?
2: Uh, no, Rob's going off in some, uh, where there's originals comments. Uh, Ken would like, uh, Rob to pay attention to them. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's going crazy there. So yeah, it's, it might be best to just stay out of the comments for now. You, so you know, it, it, I, it I love just...
1: this. There's like an entire sideshow of the show going on in the comments that i'm never a part of you know every single week i I don't i don't get into those but think that's the beauty of having four of us on the show is you know boomer and rob can be going through the comments and then usually it's dave and i or mac or whoever you know we're kind of you know doing the on-air stuff so it's kind of cool that we have that so thank you so much to all the Redcasters that follow along that are commenting throughout this that adds so much to the show i do go back after the fact and read read through them and there's always a lot of good fun ones there so thank you so much for all of them that do rob what do you got are we doing parting shots soon yeah, we'll oh,
3: oh, okay cool i'm sorry i just i i was asking because i was gonna say something but i'm gonna save it for my parting shots
1: so. okay well let's tell you what let's get to it here parting shots uh we're gonna start with rob
3: Well, first of all, Dave, thank you for coming on because it was nice having a basketball discussion with somebody who actually agrees with some of my takes. Usually the other Dave, like will sit there and argue with me over the same point that we're both trying to make. So I really appreciate that. Um, You know, anytime you want to come on the show and talk Husker basketball, I'm more than happy to. I love good college basketball. Um, Big Warriors fan. I like pro basketball, but I only watch Warriors games. I will watch any like college game for the most part, but I I've been really enjoying the Huskers this year a lot. Yeah. Um. And also I just wanted to point out that I've been kind of looking over my shoulder at the NFL game tonight and it's 16, three in the fourth quarter at seven minutes to go in the game. Tampa Bay is fourth and short with uh, down something like 16 to three and they punt. So I am now convinced that Kirk Ferentz coaches the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the offseason.
1: <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, uh, Dave, you're going to be our final parting shot okay. Yeah. That's what we always do with our guests. So Boomer, you're up next.
2: Uh, first thing, I just wanted to give a shout out to the uh, Husker women. We didn't get a good chance to talk about them mm-hmm. in this. I mean, they went all super Mario brothers and the Maryland turtles uh, this weekend and just beat the living crap out of them in the second, uh, 20. second Nine, half specifically of that game. And yeah, it was uh, a 90 Shelly to 67. I mean, they had just great, uh, great contributions from all the starters. I think Josh Shelley played like 40 minutes in that game. It was a great effort and they're looking pretty solid. They've gotten back on that winning streak and, uh, you know, expect quite a bit out of them and Amy Williams. And then on a, Slightly more somber note, I do want to give a, as most listeners know, the, the Redcasts are the great Passions pro wrestling. Um, one of the great pro wrestlers from our uh, from our younger years, uh, Barry Windham, apparently suffered a serious heart attack as an intensive care today. I don't know how well he'll do. Um, he's the son of Blackjack Mulligan. Uh, had a long career, you know, well noted as a great wrestler. A lot of other pro wrestlers love wrestling him. Um, he was both a great face and a heel was probably a part of the group best iteration of the four horsemen ever when they held all the titles and uh jim crockett promotions at one point um yeah his uh for more for more modern fans you you I might know me, him bro as bro the bro uncle bro. of uh bray wyatt the fiend among others um mike rotunda is his, uh his brother-in-law but uh our, our thoughts and prayers go out to the entire uh family there and hope you get better barry so and Boomer, can you put the photo back up there? Which I certainly can. Which guy is he out of that? He's the tall blonde guy in the back. He was the U.S. champion at the time. He's behind Arn Anderson and Ric Flair there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, he, yeah he's, he's he had a long career and probably could have been champion if he wanted to be, but the story was he was, as long as he had enough money for a fancy sports car and several women in the car with him, he didn't want the work to go to being champion, but he had the skills to do it if he wanted to and just never did. So
1: but well, we no wrestling conversation is is complete without at least always giving one uh, induct the Baron, right, Boomer? So uh, induct the Barnes Baron,
2: great. Yep. And Trad, you've got the free time now, so you got this whole coaching thing behind you. So what you got to tackle something? So, so let's get started on that. So induct the Baron. All right, Dave, take us out of here.
4: All right. So after you know talking through this Creighton game and the the fun that we had watching that and, and looking forward to more uh, what's coming to mind is uh, the quote by the great kurt russell in the great movie the miracle playing herb brooks saying great moments are born from great opportunity i may have gotten that wrong i don't know but uh, i think that's <laughs> kind of what we're looking at uh this week we have a great opportunity here uh for the basketball team and looking forward to see if they take advantage of it that's Absolutely. okay, man.
3: I, I always say Husker football does not build character. It reveals it, and that's totally not the quote. Oh, so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's that's great. And and this is a great opportunity for the basketball team this this week, just like it was yesterday in Omaha. Those are great opportunities, yep. and you take advantage of them. I do want to throw out before we get done, volleyball as well. Yeah. Uh, they've, they have a great opportunity this week going to the Louisville Regional. They'll be starting on, I think, is it Thursday against number nine? Thursday uh, Oregon. Morning. Number Was nine. it? What? Nine. Ten a.m. Ten a.m. on Thursday.
4: Yep. Dave, is that okay? Nine.
1: So uh, against uh, against Oregon and get through that, and we may have a, a rematch again with Louisville with a uh, bus broom coach over there. So
0: it's
3: uh, Louisville. What did I say? You said Louisville. It's Louisville.
1: Oh, good grief! All righty. Um Until next time. That's another go big redcast. Go big red.
0: A Herd at Sports Network production.